Okay. You can be opening up your Bibles to the letter to the church in Ephesus. And uh, we've been studying a few weeks in there, and we're going to continue today. And we'll have about, oh, I think it's seven, eight more weeks of this, and then uh, we'll be moving on to something else. But uh, I hope you've enjoyed this study. I think it's very enlightening. Of course, we followed up Colossians, which a lot of the Colossians letter that Paul wrote had some similar things in there, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. In the last half of the second chapter, Paul expounded upon the, ver- upon the phrase that he said, how, talked about how the Gentiles became fellow heirs with the Jews. And he said, they, they, those who were far off but are now made near. And how was that done? Well, of course, by the blood of Christ. And he talked a lot about the riches that, that the Gentiles can now experience, the blessings they can experience in Christ Jesus, just as the Jews had done. In fact, he said, uh, we, they have been made fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, a holy temple to the Lord, a habitation of God in the Spirit. So he, he talked a lot about how they have been included. They are now part of the kingdom of heaven. And there's a couple of verses, want, we're going to be in our text today, I want to read uh, first in chapter 3 there. Let's read verse 1. I want to see what Paul, he starts something, and then he kind of gets interrupted a little bit. And let's read verse 1. He says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. And he's talking about how he's beginning to... Uh, talk about how his prayer has been answered a little bit, right? As those who didn't show us. Look down at verse 14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that little text in between there, he's going to talk about why he is praying on their behalf, okay? This is a prayer that he's starting perhaps in verse 1, but he he interrupts himself, explains some things, and then he says, Now I'm on my knees in prayer for you. He also references in this text his imprisonment. Uh, He's talked about being a prisoner uh, of Jesus Christ for the Gentiles. And he doesn't want to say anything like, you know, have pity on me or anything. He he rejoices that he can be a prisoner for the cause of Christ. And he's going to talk today about that something called the mystery. The mystery that's been revealed to him and that he's delivered to the Gentiles. We're going to talk about that a little bit. In fact, from verse 13, Paul concludes that his brief interruption, and it appears Paul's concerned that this reference to his imprisonment is going to be misconstrued, and he doesn't want that to happen. He considers that all he's endured for the sake of the Gentiles, including his present imprisonment in Rome, are just part of the wonderful grace of God that's been shown to him when he is less than the least of all the saints. Now, we can read about Paul's situation, right, particularly in Acts. We know about Paul, who was once called Saul, who was persecuting the Christians, right? He was a Jew of all Jews, even said so. And through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, he was saved. On the road to Damascus, he saw, he was blinded, and he, was, and he saw after seeing Christ standing at the right hand of God, and then he was told to go into Damascus, and he would be told, what to do to be saved. So he understands that grace perhaps more than we do, right? Perhaps more than most who perhaps have not had that situation in their lives. You know, we, a lot of us have 
you know, grew up in the church, right? We've known about God our whole lives, and that's a wonderful thing. But we might not have had that same experience, that same understanding that Paul had here, right? And perhaps that's one of the things he wants to get forth to the Gentiles is that idea that he had a wonderful grace, and now he's delivering that mystery that he received to them, the apostle to the Gentiles. So what was this wonderful grace of God that was shown to Paul? Well, it pertains to this mystery, this revelation of a mystery that for the ages had been hidden, but is now being revealed through whom? Well, of course, the apostles and the prophets, including Paul, all right, those who have been preaching, apostles who on the day of Pentecost received that gift of the Holy Spirit that they were able to perform miracles, speak in tongues, and so forth. They have delivered this gospel. Now, Paul's continuing this, right? He's continuing this, delivering to the Gentiles. Well, what is that mystery that had been hidden? And how was it really being revealed? Well, the second question there can actually be answered first, and, that, and that's before Paul defines the mystery. He speaks of God's grace toward him. And let's go and read these verses in chapter 3 here of the book of Ephesians. Beginning in verse 1 again, he says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose. Wait a minute, what was that? According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him, Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. All right. Paul says, by the grace of God, this mystery was made known to him. This mystery was made known strictly through the grace of God. No other way. He wasn't looking for it. He wasn't taking part in, the, in the, the new, the preaching that was going out. He was persecuting the Christians, right? He was taking them and killing them. And that was what he was planning to do when he was on the road, when he was blinded. 
yet God's grace was delivered under him, and he received that mystery. And Paul, in turn, made known that mystery through his writings. The Ephesians, by reading Paul's words, could then have this understanding of this mystery of Christ. This passage actually talks about several things. How we come to know the mystery, it's not through that direct revelation that perhaps Paul received and the apostles received, perhaps that, and others in the first century perhaps had direct knowledge, miraculously, right? But it's through what? I've said it many times, right? Reading of the Word. A, th a thorough reading of the Word of God. The Word of God is understandable. Did you know that? Did you know that you can read the Word of God and understand it? There are many who do not believe that. Did you know that? There are many who will tell you, why read the Scriptures? I can't understand them. I have to have somebody tell me. And guess what? They let somebody tell them. And they tell them wrong, right? They're not like the Bereans where they go search for themselves trying to see if they're right. They just accept what a man tells them. A non-inspired person who acts like he has authority or may have some authority or whatever, they just take that as gospel. We can understand the Word of God. Yes, Paul had direct revelation, but Paul wrote some stuff down through the working of the Spirit. Not only him, the apostles did this. We have Luke's letter. We have the other apostles, Matthew, Mark, John, Peter. We have that word that we can understand. These were not men who had some, you know, a doctorate in linguistics or something. They were just simple men who wrote down the inspired Word of God. We can understand it, folks. We can do it. But a lot of people say they cannot. And one of the things they take is these verses right here to say, Paul says it's a mystery. If it's a mystery, how can we ever know? All right? They'll misconstrue that and say, I, it's a mystery. I can't know what the Bible teaches. I don't understand it all. It's hard. But keep in mind, Paul's saying it's been revealed, guys. You can know it. He's delivering it to the Gentiles. The Gentiles of all people who the Jews despised. They couldn't even go in the same house with them, right? The Gentiles who pretty much are us. We are descendants, most likely, of the Gentiles because they are simply the folks that were not Jewish. You might have a little Jewish heritage in your background, I don't know, but I would say 99.9% .9 of you in here should be very thankful that this mystery was revealed. It's not a mystery that we can't understand. You ever read a, a mystery novel? It's called a mystery novel because of what? It's a mystery, but if you read the whole thing, you learn the, the, the mysteries revealed, right? Yeah, the same way with the Bible. There are hidden things in the scriptures that you got to read to know. And once you read it, then you know it. Reminds me of Yogi Bear, you know, because, you know, the word's there because you got to read it because that's how you really know it, right? <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm talking about that Affleck commercial. I know you've seen it. Anyways, the mystery's been revealed. 
it's not a mystery that we can't understand. Yeah, there was something that was hidden for the ages. And at some point, was, some of it was revealed to the Jews, but even they didn't get it all. It wasn't completely re revealed until when? As John 1 said, the Word became flesh in verse 14 and lived among men. So we have the mystery revealed, and Paul's telling the Gentiles, guess what? You get to participate. You get to know the mystery. It was once hidden, but it's important to appreciate that fact that uh, just as certain as it was hidden from them then, it's now revealed to them, and it can be revealed to us. There's a lot of passages that deal with this. It's not just Ephesians 3. Let's turn over to Romans and read something there. And, uh, and we'll flip around just for a couple uh, different passages here I want to read. Romans chapter 16. <clears throat> and he starts in verse 25. Romans 16 and verse 25. And Paul says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Paul is saying here, that mystery has been revealed, that mystery that was hidden since the beginning of the ages, and now has been made known that by prophetic scriptures you can know the great good news of Jesus Christ. Turn back to Ephesians there, chapter 1. We've already looked at this once, but let's look at it again. Ephesians 1, <clears throat> beginning in verse 7. He says, In him we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. God revealed it when it was in the fullness of time. He revealed it when he was ready. Turn over to, let's go back and read verse 5 of chapter 3 again, see what it says there again which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, and it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. It wasn't revealed to anyone else except those apostles and prophets, those who have been preaching the gospel. And then turn over to Colossians chapter 1. And let's begin with verse 24. He says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. So we know the mystery is revealed. Pretty obviously, right? Pretty obviously, pretty obvious what that mystery, what that, uh, that the mystery has been delivered unto the Jews and the Gentiles. Well, what exactly is that mystery? 
Yes, sir. Great point, Brother John. Did y'all hear that over there? Talking about it's to all nations. It's not just to the Jews, not just to a certain group, all nations. And what a great segue in what we're going to talk about in just a second on how that mystery gets revealed. How, what is that revealed mystery and how it gets revealed? It involves the Gentiles here, obviously, right? Context says that there's, he's, he's speaking to the Gentiles at this point. Obviously, those in Ephesus were most likely... Uh, for the most part, Gentiles. There might have been a few Jews that had believed there. <clears throat> but he's speaking to the Gentiles. We know of Paul has said uh, on several occasions that he was the apostle to the Gentiles. He was the one that was bringing the word to those who were non-Jews. We've read about in Acts, right? Peter had to be reminded, remember, when he was sent to see Cornelius, that the gospel was not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. All nations. Well, this mystery is revealed and it involves the Gentiles, right? We saw that in chapter 2. Let's go back and read a few verses from chapter 2. It's been a couple weeks, but I want to re get reminded on what he said there when he's talking about the fellow heirs that the Gentiles had begun. Beginning in verse 11 in chapter 2 of Ephesians, he says, Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see, he's saying you didn't have the law, you didn't have the prophets, you were not part of Israel. You were not part of the commonwealth of Israel. You didn't have the promises. What were the promises? Remember? God said Abraham and his descendants, the world would be blessed. How? Through Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace, who was made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. He took down that wall of separation 
that was based on the law. The Jews had the law, the Gentiles did not. But the law cannot be kept. Therefore, Jesus Christ shed his blood that those who believe who were afar off and who were near could now understand the mystery revealed. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling base of God in the Spirit. You see, we are all the temple of God. That Spirit dwelling within us, we're all one holy temple, Jews and Gentiles. So he's saying... These Gentiles can now be part of the promise that was made to Abraham. Partakers of his promise in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote about that in chapter 2 that we just read. And he refers to it in chapter 3. And he is basically saying, as apostle to the Gentiles, <coughs> Paul's task was to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. We said that at the beginning of this study. One of the major themes of this letter is the unsearchable riches of Christ. The blessings of being in Christ. Remember that? We used that phrase several times in that first chapter. Being in Christ. When you are in Christ, you have access to the promises. You have wonderful riches and blessings in Christ Jesus. Not only in the future and eternity, but in this life as we read at the end of John, so that you can have abundant life now on earth. Paul's preaching this mystery, this mystery that the Gentiles did not know, right? To make people see what is the fellowship that they now have with the Jews. And think about that just a little bit in the context of the first century, right? There are many Jews, obviously, that would not associate with Gentiles, still keeping the law, right? We may not understand that so much right now, we, we, we don't know, uh, we, don't, we don't see people around us practicing Judaism all the time. They, they, there are some, but we don't see that. We don't deal with that on a daily basis, perhaps, that the Gentiles did, right? They can understand that. They can understand what Paul is getting at here. God has revealed this mystery to the Gentiles through the apostles and the prophets, but also through something else, right? Let's go back to chapter 3 there and see what he says. Begin in verse 8. He says, To me, who am less than the least of all the, eight, the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, <coughs> which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God, now notice this, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Who? The church. To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's he saying there? The principalities and powers 
in the heavenly places. Who are we talking about? Remember? There is a spiritual world we cannot see in the flesh. It exists. It's true. It's in the scripture, the word of God. There are things going on in that spiritual world that we cannot see and understand. We know there is a, you might say, a war going on for the souls of men. Yes, sir. Absolutely. It's him that's doing it. It's not us. It's his spirit within us. Absolutely. Paul is saying here that this mystery is also revealed by the church. Not only to the Gentiles, but to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. It's very existence. The church, right? Proclaims the wisdom of God as well as the message that it proclaims, right? Not just to the Gentiles and all the people, but to those who are in the spiritual world. Turn over to 1 Peter. Let's read a couple verses from there. I want you to see this. We've, we've talked about this before, but I want to read it again. This is a wild and crazy verse. The first time I ever read this, I said, wow. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified before the suf beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, <clears throat> but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you <coughs> by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. You see, this mystery was also revealed to the spiritual world, including angels who didn't know it either. Interesting stuff. And he's saying the church is revealing that to those who are in the heavenly places. The church who are part of the eternal plan because of his eternal purpose. When you say there's an eternal plan, when did it start? Well, a long time ago, perhaps before the beginning of the, the, earth, the world, right? Beginning of time. Yet, yeah, did you know that there are some today in Christendom who will tell you that the church was established as an afterthought? You ever heard that? It usually is folks who believe in the thousand-year reign, the millennial return, I mean, the, the turn of Christ, and then the thousand-year reign is going to rebuild the temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and live here on earth with his people for a thousand years. And they'll tell you that when Jesus came, he came to establish his kingdom at that time on earth. But 
He got rejected. And so instead of establishing his kingdom on earth with the Jews, he decided as an afterthought to set up the church and he went back to heaven. You ever heard that? Several years ago, I was in a Bible study in my neighborhood with some denominational folks and, and a denominational man leading it. And he said this very thing. That was really the first time I'd ever heard that, I think, but kind of understood where he was coming from because I knew he was a big premillennialist. And I had to go home and study on a little bit, say, hmm, I need to figure out what to say to him. And we had some discussions. Some of it didn't turn out so well, but we did. But they start this, and we'll, we'll just, let's just go over here so you can understand this. So go back, go to the book of Mark, and this is going to chapter 6, and I'll read a few verses. So you can kind of get an idea of what they're talking about here. <clears throat> Mark chapter 6, and beginning in verse 1, and this is Jesus. It says, then he went out from there and came to his own country. Going back to Nazareth, right? And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And then he went about the villages in a circuit, teaching. He was rejected in his hometown. Verse 7, And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper for their money bag, or bunny belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Then he said to him, In whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from the place, and whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Surely I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Solomon Gore in the day of judgment than for that city. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. That's where that doctrine begins. They say that Jesus was rejected. Therefore, he gathered the apostles, disciples at the time, and planned for them to help, planned for the church to be established, and they would lead it and preach. But if you go to Ephesians chapter 3, it's kind of hard to mesh that when he talks about the church being part of his eternal purpose. You see, that was always the plan. The church wasn't an afterthought. God had always planned to send his son to die for us, that we might have that hope. And because of that, we, and I mean us here today, who are part of the church, would proclaim that great gospel not only to other men, Gentiles, other Gentiles and Jews, but to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. You see, the church is the glory of God. We can't see the spiritual world. We don't know what is going on there. We read about it. We can kind of get a 
picture in our minds about that. But there's something greater going on than what we have here, folks. Yeah, we live in our fleshly bodies and we have our busy lives. We go about our day-to-day things. But there's stuff going on in the world, in the spiritual world, that is greater than anything we ever participate in. And remember, there is a scripture that says your life is like a vapor, right? Here for a little while and vanishes away. You may not think so, but your body is dying. Your flesh is giving out. And I don't mean that in a put anybody down, of course. That's just the way it is, right? It's when we're in the spirit where we really live. We really get to experience that love that we will have with the Father. What a wonderful thing to look forward to then, right? That mystery he has revealed, Paul talks about not only to the Jews but to the Gentiles. That church that he established at Pentecost as part of the plan is now preaching the gospel to the world. That's our mission, right? Just as Brother John was saying. That's our mission to continue to reveal the mystery that was hitting, hidden at the beginning of the age. Knowing that his work as an apostle and work of the church was all part of God's eternal purpose being carried out in Jesus Christ, Paul had great boldness because of that. Right? He's in prison in Rome. Why? Because he was preaching. Yet he continues to write letters and preach. Didn't stop him. He has great boldness because he knows the mystery. It's been revealed. He read the end of the book. He gets it. Any tribulation that he had, and believe me, you know it, he had a lot, was nothing in comparison to that eternal life in heaven. This life meant nothing. Yeah, we're here for a little while. We need to love each other. We need to help each other out because we're all one temple, one body, right? But it's when we spend it, or in spending eternity with heaven with God, that's, that's the real thing. That's going to be more real than anything you've ever seen in this life. Paul's an ambassador in change, as he said. He says in chapter 6, as such, he can make known that mystery. And that is our mission, to continue to reveal that mystery, teach others about that mystery that we now know. The world's a dark place. The world is a very cynical, very dark place. We see things happening over in Europe that just blow our minds, right? The evil that can occur in this life. But we have that hope. We have that opportunity to be able to go into the throne room of the creator of the universe and talk to him directly as our father, as he wishes you to do. We have his word. We can understand it. And we should be reading it constantly. 
And if you got all that, well, you're doing pretty good. You can handle gas prices when they get to $4.29 a gallon, right? Or when it's 22 degrees in the middle of March. Or when you find out you got cancer. Or when you have a loved one who just lost a spouse or a friend. You can handle it because you are a child of God. Wow, Paul talks about what great blessings you have in that. And by the way, if you're not a child of God, today's as good a day to start as any. Our time is up. Thanks for being here.